It was very like Gustavo Santalolola, like Ooh. like the dude who did um the the music for Brokeback Mountain. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was very beautiful. That sounds really nice. That's a good movie. That's a very good movie. Like I, I it's the, one of those movies. The I music don't... is fantastic. Oh, it's incredible. Yeah, and it's just shot it's so beautiful. Yeah, like just like achingly beautiful. <laughs> Anyways, Crash was best picture. Hello, and welcome to the Zero Stars Podcast, a podcast about Marvel movies and video games. My name is Bob. My name is Matt. And we're going to talk about Marvel movies. But first, we're going to talk about video games. Yeah. A slightly less lucrative form of entertainment. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I think it's still much more lucrative. Uh, Like overall, but no video game will ever compete. I don't know. Grand Theft Auto. I guess that's true. Yeah. We should look it up. If we did research, <laughs> um, it has been a big week for video games. A huge week for video games. Uh, it has been the week of E3, the Electronic Entertainment Expo, um, where they announced. Historically, it has been a big week for video games because yeah. they will announce a bunch of stuff, and it's very exciting. And there's press conferences, and now it's sort of like, uh, you know, the appendix of the news cycle, where it's like we have this thing. I don't really know what it does, but we have it from before, and now it's just there. Oh, it feels more like E3 is like a burst appendix, slowly dying. Yeah, it's definitely not alive. Someone needs to like get that thing to a hospital. Right, because we've entered an era where all these companies can just hold their own press conferences, Mm. and it's actually better because then they dominate the news cycle in a slow time rather than putting everything together. Actually, Sony didn't really do much at all. No, they announced some stuff ahead of it. Oh, I didn't even notice. They did a little conference, and they... Showed like the streaming technology off their new SSD for the PlayStation Five. Yeah, and then they got that wired piece about yeah. the, the PlayStation Five. And they said that Death Stranding was going to. This is actually more recent than that. And they said okay. that Death Stranding, like they showed it to more people, and then they said that Death Stranding would be out this year. Yeah, but they pointedly did not say. I don't think that The Last of Us would be out this year. Yeah, I'm betting that's 2020. I yeah, it's feeling more and more like a cross Jenny kind of thing. What did you think of the Death Stranding trailer? That's a lot of video game. <laughs> is it a lot of video game or is it a lot it of very well might movie. be like <laughs> 10 minutes long. Well, actually, so I was listening to a different podcast. I know we, we don't like to bring up our competitors. At least name it. Uh, it was the Giant Bombcast. They were interviewing a guy who had worked there uh, with Kojima on some of the older Metal Gear games. Mm. And they were like, what do you think of it? You know, And everybody was talking about how, actually, if you go watch the trailer for Phantom Pain... There was a lot of stuff that looked like, wow, there's going to be so many cinematics in this game. And then, actually, there really weren't. Yeah. And then you think, like, man, and they're making this on a tighter budget. Yeah. What if we have already seen, seen all essentially the all the cinematic content and the rest of it is just you wandering around in that open world? I'd be fine with that. I am 100% fine with I that. I mean, Metal Gear Solid Five was such a systems-driven game in such a, a yes. surprising and delightful way that if that is his trend now... I'm all for it. I there's something about the fragility of that character carrying heavy things and yes. the way that that gets animated that I really think could be 
revolutionary strong, but genuinely different than other I stuff. I think that there's something, there's a, there's a moment in the trailer when he's running, right? And he's yep. carrying something big on his back and these guys are chasing him and he breaks and the other dudes keep running because they can't keep up with his break because he, he stops so quickly. Oh, really? And he turns and it's like this real quick like pivot. Yes, and it I is, remember and this. And it, is, it looks, you look at that and you think like, if that the animation is so good, you think that like if they pull the feel of that off, it could be delightful to just like fake guys out. It looks like a basketball There's, maneuver. There is a lot of stuff in it where he like jukes. Yes. Yeah, and it feels like you're running in Madden or something. Yes. It's yeah. really it's it's good. And then you hit a dude with a briefcase. Right. And then he does pick up that briefcase and hit a dude across the face. It feels it feels in some ways like so much more kinetic than I would have ever expected. And I hope that that bears out in the actual game. And it seems also field. though like a slow motion breath of the wild exploration thing where it's like in breath of the wild you're super mobile and you can just climb whatever you want and in this it's like you can do that but you have to set up a ladder first yeah and like this game feels like breath of the wild sort of made real the like thing that you do in skyrim where it's like i can just hop up this right yeah if breath of the wild was real life like you just climb everest by just sort of like grappling Actually your way to the it. top yeah. Whereas in reality, a lot of climbing Everest is being like, there's a gap here. I will put a ladder over the gap, and then we will slowly walk across this ladder. And Death Stranding seems like that, and I'm into it. Yeah, and apparently it's the entire United States. Like that baby, I give it a thumbs up. If you have not seen that trailer, this reference will make Speaking no sense. Speaking of babies in video games, have you uh, heard about modern, uh, the new Modern Warfare? I've heard that there is a baby. <laughs> there is a baby. We won't get too much into this because I actually don't know that much about the coverage, but um, apparently there is a scene in which you uh, infiltrate a terrorist-held flat in London, and there's a bunch of innocents in it, and some woman holds up a baby at some point. And according to the developers, you can shoot that baby or not, but if you do, you will feel bad about it. <laughs> and they're probably not wrong. Yeah, like, no. To their credit, I probably would feel bad if I was to shoot that baby. But it feels like like this is what modern warfare has become. It is like, do you shoot the baby? Do you? Like, I... That studio seems to know not what to do. <laughs> no, when you put a shootable baby in your video game, you have lost all You hope. are officially out of ideas. <laughs> yeah. This is your idea of like, this is how extreme it is. This is this is war. Like you shoot yeah, the baby yeah. or you don't. Like They've had a bunch of post-it notes on the wall since the first time they made Modern Warfare. And they're all just ideas, right? And they have slowly been taking them all down. And the last one buried in the corner is shoot the baby. <laughs> question mark yeah. <laughs> but like a question mark in parentheses because <laughs> yeah. we leak we like to leave it as morally gray as we can oh that's so real dude um anyway e3 we should probably talk about e3 you want to go through the five most important things let's that talk we think about have the five e3. most important things that happened in the past week the All week right. of e3 let's start with number five Microsoft's Flight Simulator. It's back, baby. I'm so pumped. Flight Simulator comes home. Tell me about this, because I have never played a Flight Simulator game, but you you have an attachment. You mean you your dad built a PC? My dad built right, a, to play. Well, was, yeah, he built a computer. I have a Heath kit, which was like a company that would sell you rather than selling you the very expensive already assembled computer, they would sell you a very expensive kit, allowing you to solder together your own computer. Wait, who would sell this? Heath Heath Kit is the company. Oh, is they, they, are they like, still around? They made like ham radios and stuff too. Oh, dope. I wouldn't be. I bet you that they got bought by like Radio Shack or something. You okay, know? so then they're definitely not around anymore. Well, you never know. <laughs> That's really um, cool, though. Yeah. So he built this thing, and it was always like he built it. I want to say in eighty 
three or something. Yeah. And we had these big five and a half inch floppies. And one of them was Microsoft Flight Simulator. And this is at a time when Microsoft was still hyphenated. So it was like Microsoft Flight <laughs> Simulator 1. Um, <laughs> and it was kind of terrible, but really amazing because you were like, I'm flying a plane on a computer. It's yeah. monochromatic. <laughs> I remember playing the Top Gun game on the NES. And even mm. that felt like... Like, like just the most astounding yeah. like, piece of hardware I'd ever encountered. Well, and then I played some of the later, because they were, there was a time when Microsoft regularly frequently put out Flight Simulator. And it felt like that was like the main effort of Microsoft's quote-unquote games division. Yeah. Was to put out this very realistic Flight Simulator In the pre-Xbox era. Yeah. Well, it also harkens to such a like, Gran Turismo's going to sell you a PlayStation. Like, you know what a plane looks like? Yeah. Now look at look at how good this plane looks. You know what I mean? Like, this is a great showcase for hardware uh, and stuff. Like, DirectX is better than ever. Look at this thing. That plane's so shiny. Um, and I just love flight simulators. I think they're really cool. Uh, I, pr- I particularly like like X Wing, but I don't think that's ever going to come back. It is kind of a flight simulator, I suppose. Oh, de- like X Wing and Tie Fighter are very simmy. Yeah. And then they made Rogue Squadron. Because they were like, what if you didn't want to adjust your shields and energy to thrusters? Yeah, it's interesting. There actually are quite a few um, space flight simulators now. That That's kind of where it moved, I feel. Yeah, and you haven't seen any any Earth flight simulators in a while. <laughs> well, they, they exist, but yeah. they're very specialized. All right, so now there's this new one. Now there is Microsoft Flight Simulator. It has apparently like multiple terabytes of ground data that you will fly over. Which is like... Which I assume is going to be streaming. Because you, how are you going to fit that many terabytes? I don't know. On like, I have no idea. So like, and what I really want to know, what I really want to know, because they like showed some of this during the Microsoft press they conference. They showed a at E3. very compelling video demo of just planes flying around and yes. it looking photorealistic. And it looks so photorealistic that it looked kind of like Google Earth in a sense. Yeah. And there's a part of me that is just like, is this a one-to-one representation of the Earth? That would be so awesome. It would be so awesome, but also like it would take forever to fly anywhere. <laughs> Well, Flying the, everywhere the point in real of it, time would be amazing. The point of it is that it's all real time, like distances and stuff. Like always. Oh, like, it always has been. Oh, I mean, like there, there. It is like Gran Turismo, in the sense that it's like if you take this plane, it will take you this long to go this far. Interesting. I didn't know that. Like it is a, it is a simulator. Interesting. Okay. You know, it's like hard to land planes in this thing. Well, that that makes sense mechanically, but like the <laughs> idea of the scale of it oh, actually yeah, it's, being, it's kind of like that, that weird Penn and Teller game where you drive like from... <laughs> Desert bus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where it seems like eventually like flying over the Pacific would just get boring. Oh, yeah. I think that that's kind of why they stopped making flight simulator games is because there's something, you know, Pilot Wings is like, fly through the rings. Isn't that fun? And yeah. Flight Simulator was like... People fly across the globe all the time, and most of it's just kind of staring at the sky. <laughs> like, I mean, that's still it's still pretty cool that they're making it. Maybe it'll be an arcade mode or something. I'm sure that there's going to be some hook. Yeah, especially because it's coming to the Xbox, like they have to do something. Yeah, but that was part of the Microsoft conference, which we watched. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I felt like it was a pretty poor overall showing. Started they sh- strong. They showed a lot of stuff. Yeah. But they didn't actually show you gameplay of anything you cared about other than Flight Simulator. That was like the only one where they were like, and here's what the game looks like. They had like five Gears trailers. 
just all over and over and they're all boring and then they were like the stage opens up and we built some paper mache tentacles and here are four wrestlers that we are forcing to stay under the stage in this smoke machine filled room and they're we're, gonna play gears i guess and they played it but they didn't show any they didn't of show what they any were playing gears. they were just like yeah you know what gears looks like they're I guess. playing it under the stage at risk of their own <laughs> lives yes i i did hear on that other podcast i Reference before a Microsoft person said that the fire marshal told them if there was an earthquake during the conference, those men would die. <laughs> we knew um, that professional wrestlers took risks. I know. I never knew it was this real and obviously worth it. Yeah. But yeah, that I felt like that conference, like they brought Keanu Reeves out because he's in cyberpunk and you kept being like, are you going to show me somebody just playing five minutes of cyberpunk? Like, yeah. I. It was amazing to me that there was no demo in that conference that was just a man walks out with a controller and just shows me a video game. Even if it's faked, like I want to see somebody pretending to play the game. I want to see that Uncharted um, demo sure. when they, from Uncharted yes. 4. Like that's the perfect example. A man stands on the stage and you can tell that he is actually playing a video game. It's very tight and it's clearly like oh, yeah. such a vertical slice that like it is streamlined within an, an inch of itself. Yep. But Well, they had, they had all those, like they had on the stage, half of the stage appeared to be like monitors hooked up to Xboxes, half of the stage appeared to be like PCs. Yeah, what and, was the point of that? Well, so you're you're spending the whole conference going, dude. The end of this thing, they're going to be like, and Halo Infinite has like 75 player multiplayer, and they're just going to dump a bunch of people here, and it plays across the PC and the Xbox, and also these people are streaming it under the stage, and like you thought it was going to be this actual demo of something, and instead it was just set dressing. Yeah, it made no sense. It was so silly. And it was it was like going to like a furniture store when they have like all the desks set up with computers, but yep. they're actually just like empty boxes. I, I was yeah, it bummed me out because I did not feel like they made a compelling case for the fact that they want to stream things everywhere. Yeah. They that, didn't that demonstrate they, it. They instead they just kind of were like, We have a new console, guess what? It's like fast. <laughs> like and that's dumb because we are theoretically entering a like post power world. In some ways, right? Yeah. And like you can make that case to be like, yeah, we have something that the PlayStation 5 will be also, but then we, in addition, will bring that power to everyone who wants to be part of the Xbox ecosystem. Like it writes itself. I don't really understand it. Uh, so yeah, I was just kind of disappointed. Yeah, it makes two of us. <sighs> did you watch, uh, let's move on to, to number four. All right, number four on the on list. list. Uh, did you watch the Square Squeenix. I still just call them Square. All right. Uh, the Squaresoft conference? Idos, did you watch? The Idos conference? Idos. <laughs> Crystal uh, Dynamics? I, I did not watch it. Um, they had a really uncanny valley Marvel The Avengers trailer. I have talked about. Well, but. and we will be talking about Marvel later in this podcast. Yeah. But yes, I have seen some screenshots from that. I saw one picture of Tony Stark and I was like, I'm never looking at this again. <laughs> it's really upsetting. It's so bad. Why did they make him look kind of like the actual actors? It's really weird. It's really weird. It looks so and bad. everyone is freaking out about it. And I don't know how anybody on the team didn't just raise their hand and go, we can't do this. Yeah. Like if they had just made them look not even like they look in the comic books at all. It's like... I don't know. Now Iron Man's the blonde, long-haired one. <laughs> like I would accept that more. I would be like, yeah, that makes some sense, I guess. Sure, this is totally different. And for some reason, Captain America's wearing a flak jacket? <laughs> it's very strange. Bad. But I actually watched the, the Squaresoft conference because I really wanted to see Final Fantasy VII. Okay. And the demo for that looks kind of 
cool? <laughs> like, I kind of am into it. <laughs> Question mark in parentheses. Yeah, in parentheses. There's a lot of gray in this in my <laughs> statement. Yeah. Um, but like I'm kind of really curious about it. It does not look like a ton of fun to fight, but the way that they have described the <laughs> oh, mechanics because it like it looks as though everything will take a little bit too long. But I'm hoping that they can maybe like but adjust the combat that. is like fifteen esque, right? No, it's actually not. You um or it's not that much like fifteen. You press a button to attack and you gradually fill these gauges these gauges. 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 <laughs> You're gorgeous. You fill your ear gauge. <laughs> and as your ear gauge gets bigger, you can like choose to use items and various other things. So you have to be constantly attacking in order to use items or magic. It's like you're building up a meter that lets you do other actions. Other actions, by exactly, by attacking. That's pretty interesting. It's an interesting idea. It's kind of like active time battle almost where it's like like there's like a counter running yeah and they call it atb still but you can attack constantly within it but you can't just like retreat and just like spam things from a distance okay and it it looks it looks kind of cool the thing that really shocked me though is that apparently this is two blay blue (laughs) you're having difficulty a lot of trouble i'm so excited (laughs) This is two Blu-ray discs worth of content, and it only it's takes like, you through the Midgar section yeah, of the game. Yeah, it's like the first quarter yeah. of the game or something? Not even a quarter. Yeah. Like, it feels like much... Well, according to Wait, Tim they, Rogers... Wait, did they actually come out on stage and say, it is two Blu-rays? Yes. That is so silly. It That's is like so they are incredible. really, truly trying to harken back to the days of multiple discs as though the nostalgia will get to you that way. That is so dumb. I mean, it'd be great if it was just like five gigs on both of the Blu-rays, but like <laughs> they just like wanted to do two discs. <laughs> um, they came out on stage and said that, and then they said that like it'll only take you through the Midgar section because they are expanding it Dude, somewhat. What? So I am just incredibly curious as to what like the development for this will look like because there's two. So Midgar section only actually feels like maybe it's like ten percent of the game, right? It's relatively short if you consider the entire <laughs> the entirety of Final Fantasy VII. I haven't played it recently enough to know if that's like just a child memory of it no i mean you you don't even have most of the cast at that point yeah okay you have a minority of the cast there's a lot that comes after it um but the interesting thing is that tim rogers who recently on kotaku did like an analysis of the uh, script of final fantasy yeah VII, did a translation did thing. a full translation um he says that it makes up 30 percent of the overall script so while it is exploration wise a relatively small corner of the game it is story-wise, like pretty pretty significant. It's still third. only a third of the yeah. game, and it's on two discs. Two discs. Anyway, I am curious. I am like Wait, lightly they... excited for this. You seem very excited. Yeah. I, I actually haven't seen you smile like this in maybe years. <laughs> Here, here's a question: Did they say when this game that has been in development since like four years ago will come out? March third, twenty twenty. They announced it at a Final Fantasy concert the night before oh, the man. Squaresoft uh, I feel conference. as though every game is coming out in March of next year. March, April, and May well, are and, packed. And March, of course, is end of fiscal year. Yeah. So I feel like that's like the hard stop, right? Like they yeah. can't slip anymore because Square needs to make money. <laughs> at some point, we need to cash this in. <laughs> yeah, um, especially because Avengers doesn't come out until like May or June. Dude. <laughs> and people will buy that i don't know i don't think anybody's gonna buy it. every preview i read of that game was just like this looks bad and then and then like that followed up by like well it might just look really early and then 
It's coming out <laughs> next year. Uh, this just seems oh, weird. Oh, I just don't get it. They yeah. look so weird. They, it's, a, it's uncanny valley. I have a very limited they exposure. They look vaguely familiar. Yeah. <laughs> it is... I, I am not like Marvel scholar. They all look like your dad after he shaved his beard for the first time Ooh. in your life, and he just suddenly is plain, <laughs> like a uh, plain face, plain face, clean shaven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, they look yeah. they look kind of like that, except that they actually do have facial hair. It's just slightly different than the facial, <laughs> the facial hair, hair you know. <laughs> Oh man. Anyway, oh, let's move so on weird. to uh the third most, third important, most important thing, thing, which is Respawn's development of what is it? Star Wars Jedi. Jedi Fallen Order. Jedi is very big in the title card, implying yeah. that we should all just call it Jedi. Jedi. <laughs> uh third person action game. Yeah, they're first. Allegedly open world. Yeah. It looks pretty fun. Yeah. Dude. The part where he wall runs, and I was like, because th- there's a trailer, which you can watch. Yeah. Dude got a robot friend. Respawn loves their robot friends. They, they're very good at making robot friends. They write great robot friends. And, like, it starts out, and he's just kind of, like, slicing, dicing dudes. And I'm like, this looks a lot like games. Kyle Katarn in Jedi Outcast, right? Like, yeah, this games is, that we've played before. Yeah, classic Star Wars video game. But, then... There's a sequence where he's running on a wall, and you're like, oh, it's like Titanfall, though. And that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, but I want it to feel like more than Titanfall. I don't know, man. I, I think it will be pretty good. Uh, yeah, it just it feels very familiar to me. I feel as though I've seen this demo before. I'm with you, but I think that they don't make that type of game very often anymore, actually. It was true. It's been a while. Like, like it like takes me back to like the PS One copy of the Phantom Menace that I had. It feels very like PS Two era to me. Yeah, and I respect that because somebody needs to make a good Star Wars game. Like somebody out there needs to make a Star Wars game that actually feels like Star Wars and isn't like, what if it was like Battlefield, but it was all the Star Wars dudes and Luke Skywalker was here respawning. <laughs> like <laughs> that's dumb. Yeah. Uh, and like they have all the tech, like it's pretty cool. He drives an ATAT in this demo. Oh, really? I didn't see that part. We watched it together. Oh, I don't remember that part. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. As someone who is very excited for Final Fantasy VII the remake, I am somehow underwhelmed by this game that I feel I have seen before. I was just gonna <laughs> say, it's just too familiar. <laughs> Well, what we did we did learn though is that what we saw there makes up a hundred percent of the game, so that's yes. exciting for Jedi Fallen Order. We love Respawn. I love Star Wars still in my deepest heart of hearts, and I want to chop up some dudes with a lightsaber. So let's make it happen. All right, this is the second most important thing that happened at E three. All right, a sequel was announced to Nintendo's The Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild. What do we think it's going to be called? That is, I think it is going to be Breath of the Wild too. No. It's a direct sequel. They never do that though. But they, they never do direct sequels. What did they they was did Link to the Past 2? Link's Awakening. Legend of Zelda 2, Link's Awakening. Or not Link's Awakening, uh, uh, uh Adventure of Link. Yeah. So that they did it with two. They did it with that. And then what was the the one where you can go flat on the three DS? Did that say Link to the Past 2? Because that was a direct sequel too. Where too. you go flat? Like where you go up against the walls. Oh, um uh a link between worlds. Yeah, it was not a direct sequel. I don't think. I think it was like a reimagining, wasn't it? Uh, it was, I think yeah. it took place in the same world. Yeah, 
Um, but no, they didn't use any any there was no numbers two. for that. I I, I bet feel this like has a new title. I think you put a two on it because like. It, everything about this trailer was just a flex that was just like, we made the best game, we're making it. And then at the end, it was just, here is some stuff that is clearly from that, like the map, and you see some of this vid- video stuff. Yeah. It's not a gameplay thing. You see this, like, desiccated, insane-looking Ganon corpse that's pretty cool. Was that supposed to be, I think it's supposed to be Ganondorf. Yeah, like, I guess so, yeah. yeah. And he's being, like, pinned down by some spectral hand. Uh, so sick. Ganondorf. Ganondorf. <laughs> Relative of yours. Yes, he's my friend. Um, so, very cool. Yeah. But... Uh, not much to go Not much on. to go on, and then it just fades to black, and it just says, we are working on a sequel <laughs> to Breath of the Wild. And it, the whole thing was just like, you know you want this. Did they use the same font that they used for the title card in the actual game? That same white on black, like just simple italic font? Uh, no, I think it actually might have even been like the sans serif like menu font, just like oh, okay. totally matter of fact. Like there are people right now who are not here; they are working on a new Zelda. We 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 type this up in PowerPoint, like kind of like like yeah, we're gonna do it again. And so because it was so matter of fact like that, and because they've come out and just been like, yeah, it's on the same map; it's a direct sequel. And because you have the name Breath of the Wild as like. A, a game that is in the conversation for like best video game. I think that you put a two on that thing. No, I don't think so. I don't think they will. I want it. I they've want got, the two. They've got somewhere. They've got a wall full of sticky notes with all the various titles for potential Zelda games, yeah. and they're they're too busy picking from that. When will Zelda let us kill the baby? <laughs> the darker, grittier Zelda that everybody wants. <laughs> That's the one. I mean, morally gray Zelda. I always come back around on that, where it's just like, have you guys played a Zelda game? Because they're kind of messed up. Like, yeah. <laughs> nothing good is happening. There are zombies in all like, these. Breath games. of the Wild was pretty disturbing. And oh it's, yeah, it's, it's depiction of a like fallen kingdom. Oh yeah, it's yeah. not good. Like yeah. everybody is having a bad time, but everybody... except for you, and you're having a really bad time because everything is on your shoulders. I came across this Reddit thread of people like uh, someone had posted some concept art for. Mm. I sent this to you, concept art for oh, yeah. uh, for the Guardians and Breath of the Wild, and they looked like very like spindly, spidery creatures, like for in early Pretty designs, horrifying. really horrifying. And in the Reddit thread, everybody below was like, "I've just been waiting for the Zelda game, like." Ocarina of Time was dark, and I just want them to take it two steps darker. And I'm just like, how fucked up do you want your Zelda to be? <laughs> yeah, and like, why? Yeah, why is, is it this necessary? Not emotionally impactful enough for you right now to see the cool <laughs> stuff that they actually put in the games? Yeah, that's why I can never get into Twilight Princess. Blades will bleed. <laughs> um, I want my Boko Goblin, Boko Goblin, to bleed. <laughs> yeah, I want to have a finishing move where I like grapple around to the back of their neck, and then I just take a knife out, slit their throat, and it Metal Gear pressure like, <laughs> and then all the other Bobo Goblins or whatever are covered in the blood of their fallen friend, and they start to weep and they're crying. And then one of them is a Bobo Goblin mother, and she's got her kid. And then I walk over, I take the kid, I throw them into the lake. The mother weeps more. I silence her with my blade, and it's Zelda. And that's Zelda now. <laughs> I saved the kingdom. Far Cry. Zelda has to learn more from Far Cry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Did I get anything at this camp? No. <laughs> uh, yeah, I want to f- play Zelda and feel like Anakin Skywalker saying he killed the women and the children, too. <laughs> That's what I want. Um, Number one most important thing? That happened this week. Tell me about it. We played PUBG. We did play PUBG. And, uh, oh boy. 
we experienced probably the greatest narrative that has ever existed in a video game. I agree. And I think that PUBG is potentially the finest spectator game that has ever been devised. I had more fun watching this round of PUBG than I have had yes. playing PUBG in my entire life. So we drop in, four-person team. We got, uh, we're up on this ridge. It's the desert map, very little cover. One of us gets wasted. It, almost immediately. Immediately. I run out like an idiot. <laughs> yeah, trying <laughs> quickly, to cover for that guy. Quickly get shot and I'm downed. My teammates could revive me, but like the enemy is clearly keeping me out in the open to draw yeah, them out. You're pinned down. I am pinned down. I just gradually bleed to death. We decide we'll keep watching. We realize also that the other person who was immediately downed is also watching. Yeah. And then these two dudes, one of whom has a mic and one of whom does not, uh, proceeded to go on the most epic journey uh just traveling across the map finding vehicles like barely be, keeping it together being like extremely down in health recovering yeah. sharing resources and finally they engage in a firefight that prevents them from moving closer to the next ring and they need to get a vehicle and they can't find a vehicle and they're running and trying to find a vehicle because the ring is closing and suddenly they're running the ring is closing on them they're inside the they're outside the ring and they're taking see, damage yeah, like the edge of the ring just moving in and, and we're flipping running. between the two guys checking their health yeah one of them is clearly going to make it and one of them is not the one with the mic is not going to make it and he's just like i'm not going to make it bro i'm not going to make it and he's and he's like his health is ticking down and suddenly he goes down and <laughs> the guy without the mic starts running starts running and the like, guy the guy with the mic goes no go play go play <laughs> And the guy starts running away as if he is actually going to listen and go play the game and fight. And then does a heel turn, comes back. And heals his friend. <laughs> and heals his friend. Carrying him like three meters. <laughs> there is no way either of them is going to survive and at this point. And they both die outside the ring in each other's arms. <laughs> it was legitimately oh, beautiful. It was so moving. It, it was, was so really beautiful. Powerful. I, like, I... I why do we even make films? <laughs> Why do we attempt to ascend to such heights? It was just, yeah, it was the most, like, that's love. It was the best gameplay demo that I saw during the week of E3 2019. Agreed. It was my favorite thing that happened in E3. Fantastic. <laughs> All right. All right. You've been playing anything? No. No. Oh. Have you? I've been playing a lot of Phoenix Wright. Oh, lawyer in. Yeah. I got the Phoenix Wright uh, trilogy on the Switch. Um it is exceptionally like reading a book, which mm -hmm. is very interesting. Like it is, uh, it's somewhere in between reading a book and watching a TV show. Okay. Uh, I really like it a lot. You, in those games, it's like an adventure game. Like what are you doing? It's what is more the of a visual of novel. Okay. So you have two, um, two areas where you're playing. There's one where you're in the courtroom and you're trying to, you're pressing witnesses on their statements and you're presenting evidence to find contradictions in their statements mm -hmm. and things like that. And then there's sections where you are set, like uh, finding evidence out in the field. You're you're traveling from still. These are all just static screens, and you just kind of like search around the screens, and you talk to people, and you interview witnesses and stuff like that. I see. The entire conceit of Phoenix Wright is wrapped up in the idea that the police are so incompetent <laughs> that 
the 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 defendants and prosecutors in the court like in the legal system have to solve the crimes for them all right which is just like this really delightful thing because really it's much more it's much more like law and order you are both like the law and the order yeah you do both sides you do both sides so um you have the law sections and then you have like the order sections very Um, cool it's it's a lot of fun. I would recommend it to just about anyone. Is the story the compelling part or is the gameplay the compelling part? Like what hooks you here? A mix of both. Um the story the stories are not predictable. I will say that they're not necessarily predictable, but they don't the the twists and turns aren't necessarily like mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. Um they all make sense. They all like kind of flow. That's good. And it's I think that the satisfying part is for me, a lot of it's in the exploration and the sort of world building and character building that happens during the ex- exploration. And then I like the courtroom scenes a little bit less, um, but those are still fun too because you're kind of like, you'll something will ping, someone will say something and you'll ping in your head and you'll be like, that's not right. Something's fishy about oh, that. Oh, that's good. Because you'll be like, I remember something from this one crime scene photo that doesn't blend. Like someone so will be how like, do you, how does that manifest in the game? So you, you, you have that moment. You're like, I've got this guy dead to so rights. How for do instance, you... in a recent one, someone like, in, in the courtroom, uh, the prosecution, because you're, I'm playing a defense attorney, so the prosecution reveals like a crime scene photo where the victim is lying on the dirt, and he's like, um, and he's written out a name uh, in the dirt, like so presumably the name of his murderer mm-hmm. in the dirt, like with his with his right hand, and I remember that like he has a baseball glove, and that the baseball glove, if you look at it. Is for a left is is for the right hand, which means it's for a left-handed person. Yeah. So I was like, something's off about like it's got to have something to do with the fact that he wrote with his right hand. And I was like going through my evidence, and I was like, what would indicate that this dude is left-handed? And then I look at the baseball glove, and I'm like, this fits on a right hand. And you throw with your left hand if you're catching with your right. So you, but like then, so that's all in like an inventory, and then mm-hmm. you just like click on it and go. And then like, you click use on it, this? and then it advances the story. Wow! And if you use something else, they just be like, I don't know anything about that. Yeah, and then you're penalized, and you could potentially lose the trial. I see. If you, you have like fuck up you only have a, like limited number of chances to present evidence. Yes, exactly. That's fun. That's um, cool. That sounds very um, L.A. Noir, right? Yeah, in to a degree. Ways. Yeah, um, it doesn't. It's much better than L.A. Noir because it, it yeah. lacks all the other problems. It's like it's just like a very clean interface. There are definitely times when like the logic leap for what you have to choose is a little bit too too mm-hmm. long. And I've I've looked game. up a walkthrough. Yeah, I looked yeah. up a walkthrough like three or four times just because I'm like I don't want to lose this case and <laughs> I don't feel like reloading and I just need to know. What I didn't to pick. go to all those years of <laughs> law school to lose here. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that was. It, I really recommend these games. They're a lot of fun. That's cool, man. Um, yeah, especially the fifth case on the first game was extremely long. First of all, I think it took me like three or four hours to play through it all. Oh, but wow. it was it was full of twists and turns and like very engaging. And I was like looking forward to it the way that I would look forward to like a good TV show or a good book. Yeah, it was something to do before bed, kind of. Yes, exactly. And I would I would like play because they're broken up. Each each case is broken up into nice little episodic chunks mm-hmm. so you can it, they've got great stopping points that's really cool yeah it's really nice nice man well so the time come the time has come all right no more video games yeah we talked about video games way too much for a marvel podcast i was gonna say we we picked a bad week to start i guess because <laughs> yeah. it was a video game heavy week but we have begun our quest our journey into the marvel cinematic universe and i want to say before we even begin here that I 
we said we were going to do this kind of on a whim. Yeah. We did not really think it out very much. And then I, I, the more I thought about it, the more I was like, dude, I've never liked these movies. Yeah. Uh, and what am I doing? We're just going to be dicks. We really had to kind of force ourselves. Yeah, we, I wasn't. To do this. And so uh, I just want that to be the framing device because the premise of this, right, is that we genuinely kind of don't get it. Yeah, and we want, but we want to get it right. because it is satisfying to be part of a zeitgeist. And, and it's also something where it's like, I think that we need to experience it anew and in a vacuum. Yes. Uh, so that was the framing here. Although our vacuum really was that we don't, it was yeah, really not we, a vacuum avoid, at all. Was, but we've avoided them. Yeah. So now, uh, we have begun our journey and our goal, as we choose to accept it, <laughs> is to create the definitive Marvel Cinematic Universe power ranking. So there are 22 of these guys in the Infinity Saga. I think there might be 24. Um, I can't count on this Wikipedia page. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this, this chart is not numbered. I'm pretty sure there's like 24. Let's, let's look. All right. So... <laughs> The Marvel Universe consists of 22 films. And we are going to rank all of the movies uh, within that 22. From best to worst. Exactly. So. What are we starting with? We are starting with 2008's Iron Man, directed by Jean Favreau. Jean Favreau. <laughs> Jean Favreau. Uh, and written. By a bunch of people. Yeah, by four people. Two yeah. writing teams, it would appear. Which is kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, I wonder if those guys went on to write anything else. We'll have to memorize their names. We're really good at that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> this is the exact sort of fact-based stuff that we excel at. Um, all right. So we watched Iron Man. We watched Iron Man. And I'll, we went into it and I was like, this is going to suck. Yeah. Because I've seen this movie. Have you seen this movie before? I saw this movie in theaters when it came out. I saw this movie in theaters when it came out and then again when it came out on Blu-ray. Oh, so you've seen it twice I before. I saw it twice before and both times I was like, I don't like this movie. Okay. Interesting. Matt, what did you think? So I saw Iron Man in theaters in 2008, and I remember thinking, like, that was better than it had any business being. Okay. I still feel that way. I think this movie's awesome. I had a fantastic time watching it, and I actually don't understand <laughs> what I like. I, it really made me wonder about my earlier self, because I thought it was terrific. What were the circumstances under which you watched it previously? I went with my friends to go see it. And then you were and like... Then I watched it with my friends in the house that we lived it. in. Yeah. Did and you you this is actually mind boggling to me <laughs> <laughs> that you could have hated it twice. I just didn't like it. I thought it was really dumb. I mean it is really dumb. Well, but it's actually much smarter than I remember it being. The first twenty minutes oh. are incredibly the good. The cold open up to title card. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Very, very good. So good. And like it sustains a lot, a lot of like its further quality is based on the momentum that it gets out of the gate. Yeah, like you're just going downhill at a certain point. Like I don't, I don't mean that like in quality. I just mean like it is rolling. Like yes. it doesn't need a push. Yeah, the roller coaster goes down before it goes up. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Uh, so I was very pleasantly surprised. I really enjoyed watching it. Yes. It was much better than I thought, especially those first 20 minutes. Yes. Um, in the day or so since we have watched it, the rest of it has kind of soured for me. Because I keep thinking about Jeff Bridges in that weird, like, mecha suit this at is the, the end problem. of it. And this is the problem. How stupid it looked and how bad, like... 
so a lot of like that ending was it's it's amazing because actually it's like i think the first 20 minutes are great i think the section where he is building the suit in the cave yes excellent i really like it it i think that it does a remarkable job of me actually believing that this dude built this thing in a cave like and i know yes. that, that is so dumb right but like no 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 i'm on board for that i like, agree like it seems legit the character design is obviously awesome. It is that man has an arc reactor in his chest that is pretty dope. I think that for me, it kind of comes down to like, so there's two bad guys in there. There's this, there's Jeff Bridges and then there's Terrorist Man, <laughs> and there's the man who wants to rule all, all of, of Asia. Asia. There that is, is his stated this goal. Random terrorist who we know nothing about. I don't think he's given a name. Um, yeah, and all that we know is that at one point he says, "With power like this, I could rule." all of asia and, and he, he cites his his vision board is like a picture of genghis khan and or like alexander the great maybe like yeah. like he has no current role models he <laughs> no only, modern role yeah, model. only is going to settle on an ancient style empire he monologues about how the bow and arrow allowed genghis khan to like <laughs> well, while he's like handling these like javelin missiles that don't seem to do uh, much the other, Jericho or missile. Jericho missiles, yeah. yeah. I mean, and so like I enjoy that guy because it is so <laughs> dumb. But do the do the screenwriters understand how dumb that character is? Because he's not developed otherwise. Well, but he's he, not even given a name. So I don't think. so here's there's a lot of interesting stuff with that character because the way that the movie is structured, it's like Tony Stark gets blown up is held captive in this cave by that guy and then like escapes but for the vast majority of the movie that dude is the main antagonist yes and we know basically nothing about him except that he wants to rule asia and that in his quest to rule asia he is going to make tony stark's life as a billionaire playboy, very difficult. <laughs> right? I mean, well, just that once, Tony then goes back. It's not like this guy continues to seek out Tony. Tony goes back. No, to this guy continues this to try guy. to rule Asia, though. Oh, I mean, like, he yes, he's still trying to rule Asia. <laughs> he goes to kill all those civilians. Yeah. So, Although it's not clear why he's why he wants to kill civilians well, in his quest he, to rule Asia. You have to Asia. work up from the bottom. You know yeah. what I mean? You got to take There's the small places. There's not going to be anybody left in Asia. <laughs> It's kind of true. It's just that the, it's so, shorthand for this is bad terrorist. Like there are he, good Middle East, Eastern and, people, but this is bad. This is Middle the bad, Eastern and person. they, you know, you get your good Middle Eastern guy who has to die to give Tony a reason to live and yes. all that. Yeah, and like that stuff is interesting from a sociological perspective, where it's like, wow, this movie came out in two thousand eight. Yes, it feels very two thousand eight. And oh, I mean, the flip phones alone. Yeah. The moment in this movie when I was just like, whoa, we are old, is in the opening. One of the soldiers in a truck with. Tony goes, I want to take a picture with you. And Tony's like, yeah, let's do it. And the dude pulls out a digital camera. This chunky boy. <laughs> You're just like, what? what? Is this from the 1920s? What is going on here? Like, this dude's a rocket robot man, and we have these cameras? Like, all the stuff in Tony's house, which is obviously supposed to be just like, Tony Stark is the richest and most fabulous man in the world. It's like, I could probably buy this in an Apple store. Every, every, I mean, all, no, no, all the stuff in Tony's workshop is like translucent screens, still looks futuristic uh, to my mind. I was just at a wow bow that has translucent screens screens oh really dude it's incredible it's pretty cool it's incredible they look exactly like tony stark's office I mean, that, and this that's was stuff, at a fast stuff, food restaurant still looks like the future though in oh, its own yeah. way but once you get to tony's office <laughs> he's <laughs> working like with a, this a dell, dell laptop <laughs> yeah. and it is 
thick. Like he's got a flip phone and it's like a cool <laughs> flip phone, but the dude's using a flip phone. Like it's just so fun in that respect. Like that's great. Um, again, he has an arc reactor like, in his chest. It's like anachronistic within its own yes, world. It's so yeah. silly. Um, so, but the problem is that we build this dude up as a villain yeah. and like, you know, there's a lot of problematic stuff probably about the fact that we're just like, he's like the brown dude and yeah. he is bad. I'm going to set that aside because I'm honestly not qualified to take it on. I don't know much about this dude other than that he wants to rule Asia, but he is... He, I literally do not think he is given a name. But he is legitimately a much more compelling villain than Jeff Bridges is. And it sucks because Jeff Bridges' villain, it's like, should be more powerful because he's got like a very emotional connection to Tony and everything. But like his character trait is just I want to trade to the highest bidder, even and, if that includes terrorists. And his like evil actions are so abstract because they are business. Yes, and they are also he is willing to die to make a little bit more money from selling weapons to terrorists. Yeah, like he is willing to like risk his life in Did a battle with <laughs> Iron Man because <laughs> he wants to make money. Well, he do, he thinks that Tony will stop selling weapons. Yeah, so he has to kill Tony. Yeah, I mean, but then, like, his way of going about it is to build his own Iron Man suit. Well, that's because that's the weapon he's building. I mean, yeah. it's, just, it's just all that that part all makes sense. It's such a classic, like, okay, we have, like, the minor villain and then we have the larger villain. The problem here is that the larger villain is fundamentally less interesting to me. And I, I don't even know why necessarily. But once it just turns into a CGI slugfest, I kind of tune out. Like, I have a yeah. lot of trouble focusing on it and enjoying it. And I'm genuinely concerned as we embark on this journey that they are going to become more of the big robot men punching each other. 110%. That's what it's going to be. And that's one of the reasons why I'm most excited for the Captain America movies. Yeah. Because I have the feeling that those are probably going to be the least CGI influenced. I hope so. Well, and like, it's it's not just CGI. Because, like, you know, CGI is one of those classic things where it's like toupees, right? You think all toupees you see are bad, but that's because you don't actually see the good ones, right? There's good CGI point. throughout this movie that I'm not noticing that is really great. I think a lot of the special effects work on Iron Man himself looks really good. Mm -hmm. That classic shot from this movie where he blows up the tank and walks away, still absurdly badass. Well, a lot of that isn't CGI. A lot of that, that is, probably is, is practical. Realish. It's Stan Winston. Oh, really? It was in the credits. It says all, it was mm -hmm. like all Iron Man, like, it, I can't remember what the wording was, but it was like practical effects by Stan Winston. I feel as though this one actually was ripe for a lot more of it being practical than it was. And some of the stuff that kind of irritated me is when they would be like, here's like a bunch of like screws going together, Iron Man suit. And it was just like, just make this out of screws. Like, yeah. don't CGI this. It looks like, it just looks like a Dreamcast. Like, it looks yeah. bad. I mean, um, the Jeff Bridges suit looks awful. Awful. Some of those really? scenes with it look terrible. When yeah. he climbs out of the parking lot, <laughs> like he climbs like they up don't out even of render the ground. The ground, the ground just yeah. looks like looks like a streaming video that is like <laughs> it just looks compressed. can't keep up. Yeah, it looks so bad, and that is just I I can't I just immediately tune out. Like yeah. it loses all impact for me. Um, so that 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 is my big concern now. Yeah. Is that I really liked this movie, but the parts of it that I liked, I think, might be less prominent in future movies in yes. the series, um, which is a little worrying. I, I mean, I think that it's undoubtedly. I mean, I've from all the future mo movies I've seen in the series, it's all CGI. Yeah, a lot of it is. Like every backdrop feels like. it. I mean, that's what the Thor movies are. I mean, yeah. not the first. Well, one. And, and even like Wakanda. But, yeah, Wakanda is largely CGI. 
Yeah, although actually the, the set design in Wakanda is so cool. Yeah, it, that I, I actually like kind of pulls it, it off. Yeah, yeah, I like the way it looks because you know that I mean set design, the digital set design, That's as well as like the practical. Yeah, set design like the actual future stuff in Wakanda is pretty neat. Yeah, but like the Thor Asgard stuff just looks like bad video game backgrounds. Asgard, yeah, Asgard. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> patent that we're definitely the first to make that oh yeah joke. we nailed it dude <laughs> um so yeah i i feel much better about this project now because it starts so strong mm-hmm. my only concern now is what if this is my favorite one <laughs> i think that there is a decent chance that this will be in the top three. Oh, i think this is definitely top three yeah like this movie's but i also think that like that's sort of mean because it's just like this is just a good movie and it's yeah. a, as a standalone entity, it's really my other concern. So, okay, Tony Stark kills a lot of people in this movie. Yeah, I actually want I want to talk about that, and then I, I want to ask a tangential question after we talk about this okay. that's related to this. So Tony Stark just, like, murders, right? Yes. And really... Brutally. With impunity, yes. yes. Like, There's a lot of people who are murdered in, like, the backgrounds of shots, yep. especially. Like, yep. people thrown into walls. Yes. Like... like where the peop- that person is dead. Right, or like he and Jeff Bridges fight on a street and like cars are flipping everywhere yeah. and stuff. And you're like, whether or not Tony Stark is a hero <laughs> is kind of debatable. I guess in the sense that like he has like eliminated part of the military industrial complex. He is like a really big hero. But in the micro sense, he is a fucked up dude who kills a lot of people. He kills a lot of a lot of brown people. Yes, in this movie, which and is also almost an American fighter pilot. <laughs> yes, uh, though he does he does save that guy ish, yeah. but the American taxpayer is paying for that jet. <laughs> um, so he kills a lot of people, and the movie in in and of itself, I think, has a very good arc for him because mm-hmm. you know he's like total asshole, and then at the end of it, he's still like. The, kind of an the, asshole. Kind of. And he's still the kind of guy who's going to say that he's Iron Man, which is just a great scene. Like, so good and stuff. But he's pretty redeemed. Like, we are meant to think, like, Tony Stark's all right. Like, yeah, cool. Tony Stark. Yeah. I don't know, like, how much they can move that character over 22 more movies. And that that's a little bit of a concern for me. I mean, they. I know unless they, he stops I, killing. I've people. seen I've seen the third Iron Man movie, and I've seen the Avengers, so I know what his character arc ends up being. And it's sort of an interesting character arc. I mean, we won't get into it here because yeah, yeah. I don't want to spoil anything. Well, yeah, and I know I think less than you, but it moves in a different direction than I think you are. It doesn't continue to advance the. I mean, it, he. I think that he starts to feel a sense of responsibility for things. Um. But yeah, we, we'll talk about that later. I th- I'm curious to see how his arc plays out because I haven't seen all the movies. Mm-hmm. I've just seen enough that I have an idea of, of where like it the goes. general. I know the general. Yeah. yeah. So I'm curious about that. Um, also, we would be remiss, I think, if we didn't point out that the one of the most retrograde things in this movie. Oh my god! Is the the pepper pots <laughs> stuff? Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> The scene where, and this has been pointed out before. This is not a new observation, but there's that scene where. Um, they're dancing and Pepper is like, should we be doing this? You're my boss. And he says, well, I could fire you. Oh, God. <laughs> and it's just like, how did this get in here? I mean, and then you realize it's 2008 and what a different world 2008 was. Well, yeah. And just, there's so much with that character that I like, 
they there needs to be more meat on that on those bones just we, narratively we need to understand why pepper Potts likes tony at all yeah we need even if just it is a little more yeah. even if it is that she is an orphan and fine. they have been friends since childhood and, and, i don't yeah i'm fine with that and yeah. maybe i missed it and they said that like offhandedly they did like but there, there's that and then there's the fact that like the camera I'm just gonna say no. No other character is introduced in one scene with like a shot of their feet in heels. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like there's just like stuff that is inherent to the way that that character is treated. Yes, that's yeah. kind of like. Mm. Yeah, I, th- I think that that's it's impossible not to talk about that. I am very curious to see if they do anything. I'm to, very curious to further establish that character. Well, especially because I know nothing about. Like for all I know, Pepper Potts turns into Iron lady I, you know, like, I don't know i think that that's iron, actually a possibility iron maiden <laughs> that would be so sick they should do that they gotta license some songs that would be, oh, if they played the trooper and yeah that'd be so awesome man uh they do they do play the black sabbath song in this movie over the credits yeah they do they go for it they do it so i have at least one final question for you that's gonna that's probably going to be one of the questions that we return to several Great. times over the course of this give it to me how do you feel Iron Man, the 2008 film, holds up compared to The Dark Knight? <laughs> because I think that is you and Dark I Knight? recently watched The Dark Knight as well. Right. On our and list I... of, of, of 1 to 22, is The Dark Knight always zero? Because <laughs> this is zero stars. <laughs> so it gets the highest honor. The highest rating. <laughs> um, I mean, I think that we agree that The Dark Knight is a phenomenal superhero movie. Oh, it's just great. Yeah. I, I think that this movie hangs i i like i don't think that it's there's something about the aesthetic of the dark knight that personally i find very appealing i mean it's shot the imac shots are just incredible Well, and just the the entire coloration of it yeah like the blues and the grays and the blacks and stuff i are just colors that i enjoy more and that sounds really silly but like you know you color balance a whole movie right like yeah tony stark is into a hot rod hot rod red yeah and like that kind of is the aesthetic of the movie is like Tony Stark is informing the story and like the way that it looks. Mm-hmm. And so it's like that doesn't, I don't identify with that sort of a loud cocky flyboy kind of thing as much. Yeah. But I think that if that was the sort of stuff I was into, I can see liking this more. And I think that's like a legitimate take. That's fair. I mean, I think that the more interesting thing, you pointed out after we had finished watching the the movie that Tony Stark kills a bunch of people. In this oh, movie. he kills so many people! And in the Dark Knight, the Joker kills a handful of people, one in particular, and that is the kind of like his his brand of chaos, and that he is this incredibly evil force of oh, it's and, of chaos and, yeah, and, and, and anarchy holds a city hostage by virtue of killing like five people. Yeah, and Tony Stark takes out twenty or so in this right. movie. And Batman obviously lives by a code of not killing anyone. Yeah. And it creates this really interesting, to me, kind of like composite of how the Batman movies work as morality plays. Yep. As opposed to the Marvel movies, which really aren't concerned with that whatsoever. At least not yet. Well, I wonder I whether wonder they will. I wonder if they are. Because like, then I think about Spider-Man. And I'm like, the idea that Spider-Man is going to interact with this dude who just shoots rockets at men yeah is sort of weird like there that's it's true because spider-man strange. doesn't kill people either right because spider-man's like a kid yes yeah. <laughs> he's not gonna kill somebody yeah. he's a spider boy <laughs> like so that that is like my 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 question going forward 
is will Tony Stark ever say to somebody in one of these movies, I have killed a lot of people. And then like Captain America will be like, so has America (laughs) or something. And then they'll like high five. I don't know. (laughs) Like, you know, will there be Or will other people kill people? Like will will Will, Thor kill people? Yeah. Yeah. Or or will and will those other people at some point be like, dude, it's messed up that you kill people. Like you are still or will your source of power? It's it's like. Or will Marvel retcon the whole thing, and Tony will never kill another person in any of these movies? That's, I'm genuinely curious. And like, we're just like we're gonna forget about that tank that he blew up. <laughs> well, because <laughs> that had like three or five guys in it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because like the arc is that Tony Stark realizes that this like might makes right philosophy that he's had yeah. is fundamentally flawed, right? Yes. But the actual reality of what he does is a further reinforcement of it yes he continues to do it on a smaller scale and his assumption that he knows who's good and bad remains and so it's like if these movies actually grapple with that idea they are legitimately excellent my what i'm going to i'd put money on this what i bet happens is that tony stark doesn't really kill that many more people over the course of the movies they go out of their way to show that he knocks people unconscious etc cetera, etc cetera, stuff like that dude the, but, the sound effects alone of when he punches people you're like that dude's dead <laughs> like but it is the thing such is, good sound work the thing is <laughs> like oh man he kills almost exclusively middle eastern people he does and i think that that's something that in 2008 people would just be like but that's not like a real death we're at war. I know, I know. And I think that that's what's going to end up happening. And Which is like how damning of an indictment of this movie is that... Well, we don't know that that's the case. Yeah, we have but to But we, we, we can return to that because like, I'm Because in curious. the future movies, they don't go back to Afghanistan or wherever right. Tony was in that oh, cave. And, uh, yeah, just, it's all, it's all like, like space monsters and stuff from here on out. Well, we'll find out. Yeah. Speaking of from here on out... Uh, okay. Next, we have The Incredible Hulk. Yes. Starring uh, Edward Norton. And directed by Louis Leterrier. That's a name that you don't forget. Louis Leterrier. <laughs> um, and written by Zach Penn. Interesting thing about this is that it came out just like a month after Iron Man. Yeah. Which is something that I had just totally May forgotten. May 2nd to June 13th. So have you seen this one before? I have not seen this movie. Okay. I have seen this movie on a plane. Really? <laughs> yes. Oh, <laughs> Like boy. when it came out. Um, I'm excited. Uh, I remember nothing about it. I'm... Except for that, I think it starts in, like, South America somewhere. That sounds cool. Yeah. Um, okay. So what we need to do now is place Iron Man in our ranking of the 22 Marvel movies. I wish I had thought about this ahead of time. I'm not really sure what I'm going to do. All right, here. On the count of three, we're going to flip over the cards on which we wrote the number where we think it belongs. Okay. One, two, three. Okay, you have one. I have one, yeah. I also have one. Oh, that was easy. Oh, that was a lot. I All was right. really nervous about that. Whew. Okay. Because so, if we disagreed, this podcast could have gone on in 30 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> so to clarify for those of you at home, our list of the Marvel Universe power rankings currently stands at number one, Iron Man. Uh, we're going to watch The Incredible Hulk, and next time we're going to talk about that. But probably some video games, too. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. <laughs>